Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the party. It's Lindsay and Krista. We're so happy you're here. We've been doing this for six years. I think we just passed our six year Oh yes. Annie. Is that September 16th? It is. Yes, honey. <laughs> oh my God. Life just passes uh, you by. Life happens quick. <laughs> Honestly, that's how I felt at your wedding. I was like, life happens fast. And weddings happen, it's like, at the first third of your life, say if you live to 90, God willing, it's like you're 30 or whatever uh-huh. around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, it's a third of your life. And they were like, wow, third of your life marker. And Isn't this is wild. And then after that, you know, children are such a beautiful marker, but the markers are so compact to the first years of your life. Yes. Which is so unfortunate, but you're like, oh man, this is a big one. It's a big one. Big one. And just wanting to like retain that. And same with what we created. It's like you want to retain and also remember Mm -hmm. some of the, you know, initial like spark energy that either created it Mm -hmm. or in the wedding sense, like on the wedding day, like what was that? Like, can we kind of put that in a little bottle and dip into it? But yeah. Yeah, Rupi, when we had that interview with Rupi, which is coming out, Mm -hmm. we were talking about, you know, her first book, Milk and Honey, how it just came out and just was huge. And so you have this thing, and this happens with a lot of artists. Elizabeth Gilbert also talks about it. There's this energy of doing it for you and doing it because no one's watching and doing it from the pure soul level. And then you get the fame and the notoriety, and then you try and chase that thing. And because the ego kind of steps in, and this was my interpretation of it, um, not hers, the ego steps in, and then your ego is trying to make that your identity and chase that thing again and again. Yeah. And it just brings you further away. It can be super hard. I mean, she's done such an incredible job of staying true and staying in this like beautiful energy of soul. And so has Young Pueblo, mm-hmm. you know, who we're interviewing today on the show. But it's such an interesting journey for the artist. Yeah. And he had a lot of success with his first book. And now yeah. his second book, Lighter, is out. And he was talking a little bit about that too with, you know, there's pressures from like the publisher where you know, there's a certain amount of investment that goes into it and you really want to make the investment worthwhile. But I do feel like he has a really healthy, balanced perspective on it all. From what I perceive, he has his partner and wife, Sarah, who I feel like brings him back when maybe some of those expectations and pressures can get the best of him. But yeah, it's a something as simple and beautiful and powerful as writing when put into the spotlight or under a microscope, I can imagine it can be very distorting, you know? And for Diego Perez, who is young Pueblo, he literally just wakes up and first thing he does is write. And he manages his Instagram. He posts on his Instagram every day. And that's, you know, something he writes is like pure and potent and fresh every single day. And I think he retains that ability to do it himself because there's no in-between to kind of distort it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I think retaining that, and even though it's it's work and he's still managing this, but I think it's an important part of his process to keep it simple, to keep it just mm-hmm. like his own. And we have to think about that. Obviously, like mm-hmm. as you get bigger, maybe the team grows, maybe yeah. the expectations grow, and there can just be things that are placed in between you and the art. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's like the responsibility of the artist to maintain that connection Mm -hmm. to it in in the most 
authentic, you know, way possible. Yeah, Georgia O'Keeffe lived like on a farm, middle of nowhere, would go on a two-hour walk in the morning, two-hour walk in the evening, mm-hmm. and just create art all day. Sounds good. Not talk to anybody, just like hang, you know, and stay in that like energy. Yeah, the, the true artists really are able to really do that mm-hmm. and allow allow that to be to be the thing. Diego was on the podcast five years ago. So crazy, right? Yeah. We were talking about that. We were just starting. <laughs> we were just starting. We were I remember where we were. I remember everything. I remember that studio we had rented. And so it's really beautiful to see the growth and journey. But he said to me, he goes, you know, we've really like, we've really grown together. I was like, dude, you're like, I'm like, I don't have 2.3 mil. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Some like, more than others. But I appreciate it. Yeah, literally. I was like, I will agree. We've grown together. But yeah. he was very, I mean, I, I laugh, but very sincere because he loves our work. And obviously we're we're just in love with him. He's just so special. But he was reflecting on, wow, five years ago, can you believe that and where we were and just like how much has happened and how much we've both grown. I was like, Sweetie. so true. Sweetie Bobby. So Lindsay and I both chose a Young Pueblo writing piece that we wanted to share just because we thought we would just wet your whistle. Ah, I love this. You cannot build a deep connection with someone who is disconnected from themselves. And I feel like I see this happen within my own life and within our community where when you are conscious, when you are online, when you are a deep feeler, and when you are someone that has this deep, expansive heart, and then you have the expectation for others to have that too. Mm-hmm. In Women Who Run With The Wolves, she often talks about that. You know, do not expect this deep level of intimacy with those, the small-hearted and the small-minded. And that's not to judge or that's not to shame or condone, but we can't have this expectation for the same level of love or ability to connect or ability to feel from other people. So if you know someone that feels disconnected from themselves or is struggling to connect with their life or a greater power, to expect them to connect deeply with you is not something that, you know, is really possible because we must be connected with ourselves first. So I really loved that piece. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, he's been on like this like beautiful relationship kick. I mean, so his wife, Sarah, joined us um, here in New York. They came down from their beautiful little farm in Western Massachusetts. She was showing me the little baby foxes that have been born underneath her deck. I mean, I was like, that's it. Besties. She's like, it it was her Instagram, like all over her Instagram. I was like, this is the content, baby. Follow. (laughs) Um, She's a she's a doll. I love this one. They asked her, "How do you build harmony in a relationship?" She answered, "You both have to be serious about your healing and open to growth. When tension arises, you focus on understanding each other's perspective instead of trying to win." As your self-awareness expands, it will make it easier to find a middle path that you both feel good about. Harmony blossoms when your primary intention is love, not control. Mm. Yeah. It's such a good So one. true. Yeah, so, the control so thing. In conscious loving, I said this the other day, but Gay Hendricks talks about the fight for the victim position mm-hmm. in relationship. Nobody wins when you're both trying to be the biggest victim mm-hmm. and you're trying to be the one the most hurt. You're trying to be the one in the most pain. And that happens so much in so many relationships with parent relationships, with family dynamics. Think about when you hear people talk about their families or talk about work or talk about friendships. It really is most people Mm -hmm. fighting for confirmation of their victim position. Totally. 
Totally. Yeah, I, I've noticed in myself kind of, and it's weird because you would never really think this. There's this part of me that like fights to be right. And so mm-hmm. in the moment I'll get like a little, yeah. I think it's that, yeah, there's something about it. And so I'll have to catch myself in those moments, mm-hmm. especially with Sean, where like, I'll be like, well, no, no, I didn't. Or like, uh, you know, it's like this, but it's like, even when it's happening, I'm like, it's not me. It's like this reactive mm-hmm. part of me. I'm like, oh, it's so interesting. Like, what, what is that? I'm still kind of playing with her. I'm mm-hmm. like, what do you have to say? Because it is just like, I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be. Yeah, not being bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's very, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. But I just love his work and especially his new book, Lighter. There is this, there's a self-guidance that happens mm-hmm. with his work where it's like this gift of these beautiful words, right? And medicine in written form. But then the way it lands with each person is going to be very different. And yeah, I just think he has such a beautiful gift. We talk about his growth over the last few years in particular, especially within his marriage, in his relationship with his work, in his meditation practice. So I didn't know this, but he goes on 10-day silent meditation retreats, I think three or four times a year. And then he does one, I don't know if it's once a year, that's like 41 days. Like, I was like, are there any other days in the year? (laughs) 100%. Literally. I'm like, when is talking happen? Um, So I might have gotten that wrong, but he's gone on longer retreats and it's just been a really powerful, he has a connection to a very particular retreat center up in Western Massachusetts and yeah, I just really admire his dedication and commitment to his practice. I do believe there is a definite connection between that and the way in which he can channel his work. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this one. If you felt really impacted by this conversation, if this resonated with you, share it with a friend. That's how we've grown. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a kind thing. It's like when you get a meme, you feel connected to. Totally. You feel this connection to the person that sent it to you. So definitely send this to a friend. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Almost 30. You can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe. And then listen to Morning Microdose. Morning Microdose is our new ad-free podcast that comes out five days a week that has uh, your daily dose of inspiration and insight from the best of the best conversations of almost 30. So Morning Microdose is our new podcast. Yes. Thank you for listening, everyone. Enjoy this episode and we'll see you on the other side. We'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. You might've heard by now, but we started an Almost 30 book club. I'm so freaking excited. Krista and I are just readers and drinkers of amazing books. Um, And in sponsorship with Chirp, which is an audiobook retailer known for great deals without any commitments or subscriptions, Uh, We are recommending some of our favorites in audio form, which has been great because y'all know we love to walk and listen to things. We love to drive and listen to things. So we're excited to do this with you. In August, we listened to Conscious Loving by Gay and Kathleen Hendricks. And in September this month, we listened to The Book of Soul by Mark Nepo, which you guys loved. We've been just chatting with you all so much about how each kind of weekly contemplation has been so powerful, whether it's in your journaling or just in your own reflection, your meditations. Um, And I had a feeling you all would love it. Both authors, Gay Hendricks and Mark Nepo have been super impactful for both of us and in our evolution and have just been staples um, in our libraries. 
Yeah, Chirp is such a great way to learn about the books Lindsay and I are reading. So it's part of our job to stay abreast of all these topics. And people ask us all the time which books we love, which books we're reading. So when we read The Book of Soul by Mark Nepo, it was a book I've never heard of. And I was excited to learn about this more. And it was fun to be in conversation in the DMs with you all because Mm -hmm. you had been listening on your walks or on long road trips. And it was powerful because so many of you said that you learned about concepts that you've never heard heard of before. Mm-hmm. So we know you'll love our October pick just as much. We're super excited. Month of October, Almost 30 Book Club is going to be listening to Woo-hoo! Getting the Love You Want by Harvel Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt. This is one that actually I did a personal book club with Sean, and I'm really excited to listen to it. I feel like with these types of um, self-development books, spiritual books, it's always great to read them, listen to them a few times. It really kind of takes that. Um, So I'm excited for you all to listen. It really breaks down this concept, yes, of the conscious relationship, but also of um, the couple bubble of really supporting and loving one another through growth, development through tough seasons and what that really looks like as far as in communication and more. So I'm excited for you all to read. I really, I really love this one. Yeah. I love getting the love you want. I've read it before too, but it's one of those that is such a good foundation for any relationship. Mm -hmm. So listening to it is going to be key and I'm excited to do it together. I love this as a way for us to connect and be even closer through Chirp Audio, through listening to these incredible books. So with Chirp, you'll be able to listen to this book with us, with Lindsay and I and our community at the price of $1.99. So just for $1.99, you can listen to this book with us. No subscription needed. That's chirpbooks.com slash almost 30. This was originally priced at $26.99. That is quite the savings. (laughs) We love a savings. We love a learning opportunity. We love a personal growth on a walk moment. Okay. Chirpbooks.com slash almost 30 to start listening to Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt for just $1.99. And if you want to stay in the know, press follow to join our club to receive exclusive content from us as well as our future picks. And we're really, really excited to hear what you guys have to say about these audio selections. Yeah, I'm excited. Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt for $1.99 at chirpbooks.com slash almost 30. Okay, so we were just talking about your seven-year wedding anniversary. That's right. How does that feel? Seven years, I actually can't wrap my mind around yet. Yeah. I'm about to get married, but to me, seven years is such a cycle. Yeah. How would you describe the last seven years? It, well, first off, it felt like a bold move. Because we were just so young when we got married. I mean, I was 27, she was 26. But we just, we both knew that we were like locked in. We really just have so much love for each other. And things were pretty chaotic in the first half of our relationship when we first got together. Because we got together really young. Yeah, I'm trying um, to think of myself at that age. I'm like, wow. Yeah, (laughs) But but even younger than that. So we got together when she was 18 and I was 19. So like fresh in college. And in some ways, it feels like we raised each other because we've, mm-hmm. we've been together a total of 15 years, cool. which is absurd. But it's honestly, it's been fantastic because we've grown up together. Like the first mm-hmm. part of it was just, like I said, pretty chaotic because there was just no emotional maturity between the two of us. We just didn't know ourselves. And so we were like constantly projecting onto each other. But 
our wedding sort of coincided with us both really finding like our spiritual paths and start we started meditating about like three years before we got married and that started bringing the beginning of harmony into our relationship mm. and um you know there were still like so many ups and downs and so many like trials leading up to the actual wedding where we really had to like get the kinks out work out the more difficult aspects of our relationship that we were running away from but um yeah being together for seven years it just feels phenomenal and I just feel like I feel like I won the lottery you Mm -hmm. know like I feel like I'm so happy that this like critical part of my life is very like cemented and yeah it feels so nourishing and beautiful and I just I could not ask for a better partner Mm. yeah it's beautiful the emotional maturity piece, which I loved in your new book. I didn't know that that had a word or words when I was going through it where I felt so misunderstood. Yeah. But I was also kind of most certainly misunderstanding other people. (laughs) Yes, yes. And not taking responsibility for Mm -hmm. that um, and really taking responsibility for how I felt Can we talk about emotional maturity and immaturity and kind of how that presents itself? Because if I were to say to someone, you know, it seems like you're emotionally immature. I don't know if anyone would really want to take responsibility for that. I feel like we all have a little bit of it kind of creeping around. Totally, totally. And I think there's a lot of different lenses that you could look at it through. Um, The one that I like to see emotional maturity through is essentially understanding that it's your relationship with your emotions, right? It's how you deal when tough things come up inside of you and how you either run away from that or you stay with it and you face it and you feel it. And But you also feel it in a way where you are not just throwing more fire onto the tension that's already there and making it bigger and letting it control your actions. And then you are saying things that you later regret. It's more so feeling yourself when you're moving through the turbulence without throwing it on to other people. That's what Mm. I think of as emotional maturity. The projection piece is a little sneaky where, you know, you're feeling these big feelings. I'll speak for myself when I feel big feelings and for so long I didn't know how to hold them. Mm -hmm. And so it's like they would just kind of bleed out and really blend with other people's emotions, say with a partner or family or friends. And it was hard for me to distinguish like what was mine and what wasn't. Yeah. You know, how do you within your relationship speak to these emotions? Because I feel like for me, the communication piece has been such a huge practice where I... I need to almost like pace myself so that my words can catch up to my emotions. I think that probably the biggest thing that's helped us, especially recently over the past, I would say like three or four years, is almost preventative communication. If that's even like a term, it just popped into my head now. But it's Mm -hmm. trying to be really consistent with letting each other know where we are in our own personal emotional barometer. So like when we wake up, we let each other know, like, you know, I I feel like I'm going through a storm today. Mm. Like, I do not feel good. Or I feel fantastic. Let's, like, you know, do all the things that we were planning on doing. But we will just let each other know, you know, how we feel so that we both know. Because oftentimes we won't even check in with ourselves and we won't really know how we feel. And then the next thing we find that sort of, you know, that difficult 
emotional tumultuousness that's happening, it'll just start steamrolling into some narrative trying to make it your partner's fault when actually they had nothing to do with it. Yeah. You just woke up that way. You know, you don't even need to necessarily always know the cause because sometimes the cause can be very murky. Like sometimes mm. it may be related to something from a long time ago when you were a child. Other times you may have just woken up and not felt great. But how you respond to it is like critical. Yes. But part of that response is really highly dependent on just letting your partner know. So you both set the stage where it's like, okay, if I know that my wife is not feeling that well, then that gives me an opportunity to show her love by stepping up. Mm-hmm. And not take it personally. No. Yeah, that's been a very important practice that I didn't realize we were doing as preventative measures. But yeah. something our therapist said to us was if it, if it hasn't been, or I'm butchering this, but if it hasn't been said, then it's not true yet. Like if you haven't expressed it to your partner, that's you so can't smart. assume yeah. that it's true. Mm-hmm. Because if he was in a mood, which he can be, my sweet Pisces, <laughs> but I'm also a Gemini moon, so yeah. we, we're two people. If he was in a mood, I would... Just go through, I'm like, did I do something? Did I say something? What's happening? Mm-hmm. But I have really stuck to what she said. And I'm like, if he doesn't say anything, then not that I'm not going to communicate with him or kind of ask him how he's doing, but more so just take it on as something that I feel responsible for. I love that too, because it feels like that era of like the 1990s and early 2000s where we would like, expect our partners to read our minds, it's over. Yo, I can't read He says mind. to me, yeah. I'm not a mind reader. Yeah. And I say, I wish you were sometimes, yeah. but it's I wish okay. you were, but we're not there. <laughs> we're not so there talk to me. Like yeah, what's going literally. on? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. the eras of um us as humans having ESP across the board with one yeah. another has not arrived. It hasn't happened yet. So but we can still talk. Let's yeah, find out what's going talk. on inside each of us. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Have you found that um, your relationship has inspired other people in your life? Just by osmosis, so. not by like actual teaching. But Yeah, I mean, um, I think so. I think I've had some really close friends. Like I just married my one of my best friends, Sam, and his wife, Jackie. Mm-hmm. And I got to perform the ceremony for them. And he's so critical in my life because he's the one who put me on this meditation path. He's the one who did the silent 10-day meditation courses first. Um, So I always feel like I owe him the world, you know, because he like, I don't even know if he understands the magnitude of what he's done for me by showing me my path. You know, when he asked me to do the ceremony, he's always been very sort of genuine with me about um, how there are aspects of my life that he tries to emulate. And I know Mm. the love that Sarah and I have for each other. He wants to carry a similar quality into his relationship. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I ask that because I really, I love the feeling of learning from friends and family who are modeling something that I love and respect and really telling them and having it be an exchange where that's something we look for and honor rather than being like, oh my God, so, you know, kind of the more gossipy, let's talk about the, what's going wrong. Yeah. Like I really love leaning more into that. It just feels, feels good. I think that's why it's so important too, to have friends who are not exactly like you. Yeah. Because vibrations attract like vibrations and you end up in the group where everyone just has like way too many commonalities. Yes. But like thinking about Sam, right? Like when I think about him, he is a person of immense courage. Like this dude has no problem stepping outside of his comfort zone. And it's like a quality of his that I'm constantly trying to emulate in myself because he just has it to like a very like highly developed degree. Yeah. yeah. 
So your meditation path, I know we've talked about it the first time we spoke, but I feel like perspectives of our path are always changing. And our community is, whether they are regular meditators or Mm -hmm. they're curious about meditation, would love to know your how you met meditation. And I was talking to Sarah before this and she was saying, you guys did a 45-day Yes. Recently, yeah. I would love to talk about that, but we'd love to talk about just how you met meditation. Sure, yeah. So it was interesting. Meditation kind of came to us. It was the summer of 2012 for me when I did my first course. But that happened a year after I hit my rock bottom. So like my rock bottom point was the summer of 2011. And um, that's when, you know, one night I just did like way too many different drugs Felt like I was dying, you know, literally felt like I was having a heart attack. I spoke to a doctor later and she was like, yeah, it sounds like you had a mild heart attack. Wow. So could have lost my life that night. But that night I realized that what had gotten me to that point was that I had been lying to myself. I had been lying to myself about how like rough I was feeling inside, how much anxiety I was feeling, how much sadness. And I would try to run away from that by just like, filling myself with pleasure by going to parties, by drinking, by doing different drugs, by constantly stimulating myself in some manner or another. But when I realized that what had gotten me to that point was lying to myself, I was like, maybe if I tell myself the truth, I can pull myself out of this mess. Um, So I spent like a whole year just really practicing, I guess, like my own version of radical honesty, where I'm just like really just being super truthful um, with what's happening inside of me to myself, not necessarily to other people, but just like that first step, just like mm-hmm. what is happening. And instead of immediately like trying to smoke or trying to call up, you know, trying to just distract myself from some manner, I would just sit there. You know, I wasn't even meditating. I would just sit there and just feel what I was feeling. And it had a lot of results. But in some ways, it feels like, uh, a year later, that kind of, I don't know, in some way got me ready to do that first silent 10-day meditation course because yeah. it took that that sense of presence to like a whole nother level because you're just, you know, it's totally silent. You're there for 10 days. You are not communicating with anyone else. You don't have your cell phone. You're not like emailing with, you're, you know, you're totally disconnected from the outside world. And it's just you and yourself and mm. your emotional history. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult, but... To this day, it still is like my primary and really my only tool. Like that's the the only thing that I use for my personal growth. And it has just provided tremendous results for me personally. Wow. Yeah. Can you describe the power and the practice of the 10-day sure. yeah. meditation? So the 10-day course, when you go in the first three days, you practice uh, what's called anapana. Mm-hmm. And that's um, sort of a concentration practice that helps calm and concentrate the mind where you're aware of the uh, the natural breath. And it's quite difficult. Like you are breathing all the time, but we're never really aware of the breath moving in and moving out. Sure. So when you start practicing that, it shows you how unfocused your mind is. Like it's, you know, you may focus for like one breath and then already it's thinking about the future or it's <laughs> thinking about the past. And then after those three days, after the mind settles down a little bit, um, you start uh, observing the body. You start observing the the truth that's happening within the framework of the body. And that truth sort of immediately reveals itself as impermanence, right? Like everything's changing, fluctuating, whether it's like a really intense pain, there are intensities in that pain, whether it's like some tingling or vibrating, there's some motion there. So you see the truth of change and that truth of change is what allows a lot of that unbinding of that old conditioning Mm -hmm. in the mind and 
sort of creates that um, that feeling of liberation. Yeah the the sitting with your emotional history is a when you say it, I'm kind of like, whoa, what would come up? Yeah. What did it feel like? I suppose sensationally, like, did it feel like waves or was it? How, how did you kind of? Are you supposed to process it in the moment? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you don't want to give too much meaning to any particular feeling because mm-hmm. a lot of it is just like, you know, you're just understanding the law of impermanence primarily. But then at other times, you do know that there's just a lot of hard stuff that people have gone through, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I remember for me, particularly when I first, when I did that first course, the sensations were rather like rough. Like it felt really physically painful. And it wasn't just the pain of like sitting there for long hours and meditating. Like I would feel like just like thick pains like emerging from my back. It almost felt like wow. steel beams like coming out of my back. No I remember way. thinking that specifically. You're like, um, I hope this is something know, that doesn't need to be. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I hope I'm okay. But like I was okay. It was just like yeah. so much stuff from the past that had been wow. just Lodged. accumulated yeah. over time. That's what that's what people don't quite realize that mm. every time that you react, whether it's like light or very dense reaction, it gets accumulated in the subconscious of the mind. It stays there and it'll affect how you see the present and how you react when different situations occur. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The body's intelligence has been something that I've been working with related to my intuition because I found that I will feel intense sensations in my body connected to moments of like high emotion or intense emotion and sometimes it's mine, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like a message trying to come through. Um, but the body is just incredible. It's like this little yeah. um, radar or like a, like like a, a little, yeah, it's like yeah. a little where there's information coming in. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship with your body, like the evolution of your relationship with your body been like? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's been... Uh, an evolutionary arc of just acceptance, yeah, right? Because there's this constant thing that especially, I imagine that a lot of Westerners in particular have because we're constantly fed images of beauty. I'm sure that's a problem yeah. all around the world. Yeah, But um, just like accepting where I'm at and just mm-hmm. loving where I'm at yeah. without being like, okay, I need to get here or I need to get there. And a lot of that has been built through the meditation practice and has helped me sort of hone my relationship with my intuition in particular. Um, because for me, per, I mean, you know, intuition just works really different for different people. Like a few things that I've learned is that two things in particular. One, your intuition, if you're really going to follow it, it will ask you to step outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Like it's meant for you to grow. And the second part is that it won't ask you to do anything that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. Like it, it may ask you to do things that are you know, challenge you, may like scare you a little bit if it's like, you know, you need to move to this new city or you need to like leave this job for this other one or things like that that feel daunting. But it's not going to ask you to do anything that will hurt you. But to me, it feels like a very sort of like continuous calm signal that is very different from the cravings of the mind. Because the mind's like, I want ice cream. Like, I want to I watch more of this TV show. Or, I, you know, but it's... um you can tell that these are sort of the sounds that reactions mm-hmm. make as opposed to the body just like continuously delivering this one particular message. Like I remember the moment when Sarah and I 
decided that we were kind of like over. We used to live in Boston before we lived in New York City for seven years. But I just kept feeling, I was like, now's the time. Like, it's time to go to New York City. You know, I thought it was the time before, but it wasn't quite yet. But this moment in particular felt different. And when I checked in with her, she felt like, yeah, it's time to do something really different. And when we listened to what was coming in through us, we felt like we went to New York and New York almost received us with open arms. You know, we quickly found a room in our friends, um, the apartment that he had. And then we were able to find our own apartment like a month later. Sarah found a job really quickly that she loved. And and then I got them, you know, like sort of like the next step of that, which was like, you know that it's time to write, but now you actually need to start writing. And that's when mm. I like started the Young Pueblo stuff. Wow. Yeah. In a partnership, do you find that someone's intuition is leading at different times or is it? Yeah, I think we take turns. Yeah. Yeah, we take turns. Like, um, I think it's a, like a big practice in our relationship is just sharing leadership, mm-hmm. you know, because we, yeah. and like, we know our strengths, right? Like, I tend to lean towards the bigger picture and can like sort of see the arc of like, sort of like the big moves that we've made, like going from Boston to New York or from New York to Western Massachusetts. That was like my intuition coming in. But Sarah is more so like she can deal with like what's happening right now in a Mm -hmm. way where she's like, we need to get like these things done. And like, these are things I'm going to do. These are the things you're going to do. And I'm like, okay, boss, got it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, the sharing of leadership is so powerful and it just builds that trust. Mm -hmm. And it's it feels good to trust the other person to lead. Yeah, because it's it, life is immensely complicated and you can't always be on. Yes. You have to be able to lean on someone, whether yes. that's an intimate partner or friends or a family group. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to stick to the meditation for one moment sure. with this the silent piece. I know you've done these retreats with Sarah. Are you this is like a small question with a, a bigger, I think, lead in, <laughs> but like can you not talk to each other, but can you kind of meet each other during the retreat, embrace? No. Look at each other. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Not at all. You don't no. see. So you kind of keep away from people. Yeah. So um, for for a lot of retreats, like we also have non-binary retreats, but for a lot of them, we um, women and men will divide yes. up into like men on this side of the meditation center, women on the other side. Every person has their own individual dormitory, especially at the center that I go to um, in wow. Western Mass. And you are meant to cultivate an atmosphere where you're totally by yourself. So especially for the long courses, like the 45-day course, you spend that whole day by yourself until about 6 p.m. Um, 6 p.m., the group comes comes together in the main meditation hall. We'll sit together for an hour, and then we'll listen to a discourse for an hour after that. But that'll be the only time when we're like really all supposed to be together. The rest of the time, we're all meditating either in the meditation hall or in our rooms or in these cells inside of a, a structure called a pagoda, which is this like circular structure where it creates like even like uh, just it's it's an even more conducive environment for meditation because it's mm. really dark in there and you're like by yourself in this small cell. It's like it sort of imitates like cave conditions, yeah. except you're like in a, you know, it's a it's an indoor room, so it's not like uncomfortable like you would imagine a cave. And so, like at the forty five day, I would spend most of my time in in the pagoda in one of the cells, and um, I you know I'd just be in there for hours meditating. Wow. Yeah. 
has your relationship with your ego changed throughout this? Yeah, it's not. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here, folks. (laughs) Yeah, it's not real. It's it's so funny, right? Because like you and I are talking right now. We're Mm -hmm. having a conversation. This is true. If I were to... If I were to mention that, I'm not lying. But at the same time, there's another truth, a deeper truth, yes. the ultimate truth. You and I are not real. Mm-hmm. We are just like subatomic particles that are rapidly coming together in different combinations, quickly arising, quickly dissolving, yes, and incredibly insubstantial and temporary. Mm-hmm. And understanding that truth and being able to live within these two truths actually is very helpful for your mental health because it allows you to sort of detach from this sort of very solid sense of identity that like, I am this way. These are the traumas I've had. This is how it'll be my whole life. It's not like that at all. Identity is actually much more like a moving, changing river Mm. than something solid like a rock. Why do we cling so hard to our identity? I think attachment is like a really defensive survival measure. Like we're really trying to just like assess what's happening and hopefully things stay the same because it doesn't complicate what's happening. You know, it doesn't complicate things even further. So I think a lot of these things are like evolutionary survival mode. It does feel primal at times. It's super primal. Or it's like, yeah, the the clinging to a certain thing has been, I felt that so deeply, especially within relationship. Because you're, I think, coming together. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not existing, but coming together. <laughs> and it's almost as if parts of you kind of have to die a little bit mm-hmm. in a beautiful way. But it's like the clinging to those parts I've experienced. I think that's the really sort of beautiful and difficult part about relationships is that when you come together, like you're saying, you have to let go. Mm-hmm. You can't get everything you want. You, there's no relationship where you can get every single thing that you crave. I think a for a lot of relationships, you actually end up getting half of what you want, and the other half is your partner's joy from them getting what they want. Yeah. And right, and that doesn't mean like it's not always drastic, like it's 50 50, you're always going to get half of what you want. A lot of times, your interests will overlap a lot, but there are times where, like, you know, it's something is more meaningful to one person, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, like you really want to go to this art show. I don't want to go, but I love you. I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't say it like that. You're not going to be like a jerk, but it's like, yeah, I could totally not go. But if this is important to you, I'm going to go with you. And then I'm going to see you so happy. And that actually activates the same happiness inside yes. of me because I, I love you. So I want to see you happy. Yes. Yeah. And then they'll go to some like silly movie with you that you really want to <laughs> see. And they totally could care less. Yeah. It's like right? this transcendence of like yeah. your own stuff in mm-hmm. relationship. That's so beautiful. It's just... Yeah. And it's like celebrating the other person in such a a special, special way. I think part of my subconscious resistance to, I'm very interested in this 10-day retreat. My subconscious little bit of resistance to it is kind of this fear around Mm -hmm. the me on the other side and living in the world that we live in. Yeah, like how do I reckon with the world that we live in (laughs) on the other side of kind of seeing your ego, seeing your being for what it really is? I think it just makes things easier. I feel like there's no other investment that I could make that could more so improve my life. Like every time I go back, like I'll go back 
Um, you know, I'll do one long course a year, then, then a few other sort of shorter courses a year, just because I'm I'm learning so much. Like you literally mm-hmm. get an opportunity to study universal law. Like you're studying the laws of the universe within the framework of the body. And you understand like this pervasiveness of impermanence. But then when you leave the course and you go back to your everyday life, it just becomes so much easier to Mm -hmm. like connect with people, to have compassion towards them, to be able to not take it so seriously when someone says something silly to you or someone's trying to project their anger to you. And it just makes it easier to move with the ups and downs of life so that you're not like struggling against the river of change and you're just flowing with it more so. Yeah. So it's pretty transformative. And I know that like I've met a lot of people over the 10 years that I've been meditating and um, they, you know, they all have changed so dramatically and they're all like really calm and fun people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. They're yeah. all really funny too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, I think honestly, you find things more funny or you kind of see the lightness and things, yeah, you know, when you're not so much in your own head. Um, all right, I'm convinced. I'm, yeah, you got to let me know when you want to go. Yeah, yeah, I would, I, yes, totally. I 100% will. And do you recommend with your partner to do it at the same time and come together? What have you, you found? You could, I found that it, it works differently for some couples. For some, for some couples, it works better if like one partner goes first so they sure. can just totally have their own experience. Yes. Like when you go for your first 10 day course, you're there and you're silent for nine days. And then on the 10th day, you talk and you start extroverting so that you can like get the weirdness out because you've been, you know, you've never been <laughs> totally. quiet for nine days. <laughs> um, <laughs> But then you end up like meeting all these great people and then like you accidentally find a new best friend and, you know, it just like it makes for beautiful connections. Mm. And it's easier to like make those new connections when you're, you're not there with your partner because, mm. you know, when you're there with your partner, then it's just like the two of you like debriefing, debriefing hardcore. Like, yes. you know, how are you? Oh, like what happened? Like, yeah. Wow. But both of them are beautiful experiences. So it depends on what you want. Wow. I'm curious about your creative process. Pivot sure. a little bit. Yeah. What does your process require and what has it shown you about expressing? Okay, if you have a podcast idea within you, I am talking to you. Perhaps you have this idea and you've been thinking about it and noodling on it for a while, but you don't know where to start. It can be overwhelming. We know. We started from our closet floors and have grown Almost 30 to be a global brand community and podcast. And because we love podcasting so much, we wanted to support other podcasters. So we started Podcast Pro a few years ago and have helped hundreds of podcasters launch, grow, and monetize. Now we are launching our launch intensive. So the Podcast Pro launch intensive was requested by many of you out there who wanted to launch a podcast with us. We've supported growth and monetization in a group setting, but now we're going to help you launch and it is going to happen in seven days time. We will be holding two hour live calls with Krista or myself, September 13th, 14th, 15th, weekend off, and then 19th, 20th, 21st, 22nd. For two hours, each time we meet, we are going to include a lesson, 
and a Q&A at the end. So you'll get all your questions answered, one-on-one support within those smaller groups. So I'm excited to welcome you into the launch intensive. If you are someone who has a podcast idea in your heart, but don't know where to start, we got you. To learn more and to sign up, head to almost30.com slash podcast pro. That's such a good question. I think it really requires time because I find I find that the best things come when um, I'm not like rushed for time or I'm not like constantly emailing or, you know, because like with being a writer, there also comes like the stuff that happens in the background, which is like, you got to talk to your agent, you got to talk to your publisher and your publisher has like a marketing team, like a mm-hmm. uh, like media team and like this team and that, and you know, they, they're all trying to help you with the project that you're doing, but it quickly becomes like a lot of emailing and like yeah. a lot of phone calls and a lot of meetings. Or I also started um, a venture capital company called Wisdom Ventures, um, myself, Jack Cornfield, and uh, a few other great people from Silicon Valley. And that's been so much fun wow. because we're really trying to help sort of Um, create this like new generation of internet platforms that still provide the services that we all look for, but at the same time, don't abuse people's minds in the background. Mm, Can you say more about that? Yeah, totally. It's called Wisdom Ventures, and um, you can find out more about it through wisdomventuresfund.com. But it's really, it emerged from this... uh, need that we saw through that movie, The Social Dilemma, that was really popular. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, okay, what's the solution, right? Like, how do we fix the internet? Yeah. Um, and we realized that we actually need to intentionally invest in companies that design their products in a compassionate manner. Mm. So that's really like the guiding principle is like, how can we push forward compassion? So we try to find companies that are not only companies that are focused on well-being, but specifically make their product in a way that doesn't hurt the well-being of an individual that uses it. Yeah. Are there particular, can you give us like a a good example of whether it is a specific company or an aspect of a company where it's really serving in the most pure way? Yeah, there are um, some examples. So like there's two that we've recently made investments in. One is called uh, Peoplehood, which is a really interesting company where I used to work for Julie. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we want to see where this experiment goes. Um, we're really curious because there aren't that many things in the human connection field. And at first it's the idea seems so simple, but it's literally like trying to help people learn how to communicate better and to help people like express vulnerability in a manner that is much more readily available than mm-hmm. just like in these like tiny moments a few times a year. But it's like can I live a life where I'm just like more openly vulnerable? Yes. And um, and I think it's a beautiful experiment. So we'll see how that one goes. I think so too. And there's another one called AMI that I'm really excited about that's based in Asia where they're basically trying to have a network of therapists that are available to people that are working in real time. Mm. So when you're working, th- th- I know that there are some companies where you can like email a therapist while you're working, but this one you can just pick up the phone and like call a therapist and you can like gripe about your boss or like you know like whatever it is like you know you can talk to someone pretty immediately so that feels like a really special slash necessary thing for people to have access to powerful yeah yeah because you can talk yourself out of like making an appointment you know what I mean like that whole process which 
isn't as complex, I think, as we make it. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do that in the yeah. moment when you're feeling that need for support. Yeah. And it's also special because it's a service that your job provides for you. Ooh. It's um, the same way that they would like sometimes provide you a gym membership, right? They also like provide you this like network of therapists that yes. are... That's what I'm know? talking about. Yeah. I, I've never worked in the corporate world. However, I have a lot of friends that have and I'm like, wait, why aren't... Even my fiance working in finance, I'm like, why aren't they investing in yeah. a therapist for each of you? He he goes to therapy outside. It is so important yeah. to have that support and resource and just ability to rip. I know. And it's and I think it's an interesting thing that's happening now too with this like great resignation with so many people leaving these like huge companies and either going off to take time off or, you know, working in smaller companies companies now they need to be able to offer more for people to even want to work and like this is the type of support that you can give to an employee which i think is yes not only like supports like the humane design of society but it's it's just necessary yeah sometimes i feel as though it's not offered or not like a natural inclination because i think there is kind of this desire to control i say that with love i feel as though it would be a fearful thing to think mm-hmm. of your employees perhaps talking to a therapist about their boss, about <laughs> the structure of things, about whatever. And that yeah, might be yeah. a little intimidating to those in power. Mm-hmm. So I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. And the other thing that we're like uh, on the lookout for and, and why I was initially excited to get into this project was um, I really hope that there's like the emergence of another sort of like wide-scale social media network yes, please. that just does not abuse your mind, that isn't trying to make you addicted, that isn't trying to like trick you into using it for longer and longer hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there, there are always like iterations of these social, you know, like before Facebook, there was like MySpace and then there was like, you know, just a bunch of different like social medias before that. But we like, I think it's time for something new that just like is not trying to hurt you in any way, but still provides the connection and the fun that you yes. want to have access to, but you don't want to be on it nine hours a day. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Can we peel back the curtain on your social media? Sure. Hygiene, practice, like how do you approach? <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you are loved and saved and reposted by millions and I feel um yeah, I feel the resonance of your work is so pure. And I know you don't need me to tell you that, but it in a space where I feel like there's so much coming at me, I always feel like a nice deep breath whenever I come across your content. How have you approached this mm. world? Yeah, it's it's tricky. It's um one, I do all my social media myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh I don't really plan posts or anything like that. I kind of, I wake up in the morning and I f- I'm like, what feels right for today to put up? Mm. And that's what I will go with. And that'll either be something new that I've just written or something that I wrote like, you know, six months ago or seven months ago and just reshare it again. But it's hard because especially in the beginning, like when we first spoke, like I remember back then, I would be like a lot more active in the comments or in, active in the DMs, but it's gotten to a point where like, I'm just one person and of course. <laughs> I can't like, you know, I can't even really engage because it's just like, 
one, it's like too exhausting. And also like, you do not know what you're going to get, like in the DMs and the comments. And a lot of the questions will be questions that I just, I don't have the answer to, you know, like, I don't know if you should break up with your boyfriend. Like, I don't know, you know, I don't know your boyfriend. I don't know you. So for questions like that, you just need a lot more context. And and often like you're better off talking to a friend or a therapist or something like that. So I've taught myself to just accept the fact that um, the numbers have become rather like unimaginable, right? Like I can't like physically conceive of numbers that large. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of let it go. Like I do my best to write things that are useful. I put them up there and hopefully they serve people well. But other than that, I can't do much else. Yeah. The anonymity piece yeah. Is very cool to me. Um Yeah, that's my favorite part too. <laughs> yeah. Can you can you talk to us about the why behind that? Yeah. I mean, Young Pueblo has a meaning, right? Like it um it definitely is a sort of guiding force like the idea that humanity as a whole is maturing, mm-hmm. and I feel like a key part of humanity maturing is um personal transformation. Like as more people heal themselves, the world will become less harmful. Yes. And it's going to take you know decades to really see that through but that's really where my hope lies for the future of humanity Mm -hmm. in the healing of the individual but it gets really yeah it just gets really tricky with social media like I just feel like um I can only do so much with it yeah I I feel the same way where it's I feel like my relationship with it is changing all the time and I think like you I don't plan and I also just really try to feel into like what I want to express whether it's today or, you know, if there's a week in between when I want to post and not post, it's not a huge deal. But I think to your point of the algorithm and you have to be <laughs> on the app so much in order to, ha- you know, have the views and engagement. It's a very interesting self-study for me when I'm affected by it and when I'm completely not and mm-hmm. um, what's going on there. But yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful and curious about what's to come down the pipeline as far as social media and just encouraging people to yeah, express themselves and connect in a really authentic way. Yeah, I think it's going to take a lot of um like honesty on our part from the users because it's yes. it's like a it's it's almost like too much like you know so many billions of dollars have gone into research into like creating these platforms and then you're like one individual that's just you know and they talked about this in the social dilemma where it's like you versus like a billion dollar like research company or research machine and and then you think you're gonna like beat it like you're not you know it's totally gonna like imprint what your future desires will be and like Mm -hmm. sort of lean you towards particular directions and tastes and music and in clothing and whatnot but I think because we're becoming more hip to that and we're realizing that like, oh yeah, this is happening and I'm actually being like low-key manipulated by the internet, I like, you know, we need to then lean towards more compassionate design. And I feel like, you know, we've seen this in the clothing world where mm. when people started learning more about like sweatshops and about like yes. sort of like the process of like how my clothes got to me and people were like, realizing how unjust it was, Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, actually, I don't want that. I I would rather pay a little bit more to have clothing that I don't really feel bad wearing. So we've seen like a lot of options pop up in the clothing world where it's like, yeah, these are like sustainably made clothes and people are treated well on the way to you for the clothes to get to you. So 
I think that same type of energy will be able to bring that to tech um, because now that people are just learning, like this is how it affects you, people will start opting towards like, I want the option that's actually going to treat me well. Yeah. People have power, you know, together we do. Because I, when you initially say that, I'm like, but Instagram, Facebook, they're giants. (laughs) TikToks, they're giants. Like how? Empires follow. Exactly. Empires follow all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That that gives me hope. I want to talk about lighter. Yeah, sure. I'm so excited for you. Um, This is an incredible piece of work. What inspired this book? The start of everything. I feel like um, when I started writing, I knew that I wanted to create a book that just had everything. That had everything that I personally thought was important about healing yourself, about personal transformation. I find that like... This is the type of book that specifically will help you sort of understand the different thresholds that you're moving through as you're going deeper into healing work. You know, like I'm, it's not the type of book that's like, this is exactly how you heal. And this is step one yeah. to heal. It's not like that. And, and honestly, I'm not like a fan of those methods because I find that each individual has very different emotional history. They have very different conditioning that they've sort of developed over time. So that means that different people are going to require different healing tools. Mm -hmm. So like for you, you know, you may try therapy. I like to meditate. That's fine. But as you start growing, there are some similarities that you'll find in terms of like how you deal with your relationships, how your self-awareness starts developing, how you start positive habit building, or how you start developing your emotional maturity. And that's what this book sort of comes in. And it's talking about these commonalities and just more deeply expressing like, you know, what should your relationship to change be like? How should you be showing up in your relationship? So it's not like a prescriptive book, but it's more a book that's meant for you to reflect really deeply. Yeah, Yeah. which I love, especially in the world of or in the time that we're in where social media is so prevalent. We're learning so much on social Mm -hmm. media and taking so much in. Sometimes I forget how I feel yeah, and I forget what's true for me and not necessarily true for me in other ways. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to talk about your relationship with the past because I find that in healing, sometimes there is this attachment I have to the past in trying to heal something. And then I've also had experiences where I've simply let it go and I've had a much more smooth experience. However, sometimes I feel like letting go so easily of the past then I, I don't know. It's like I forget what made me. Yeah. So how do you yeah. reckon with yeah. that? I love that. Um, those are all really good points. Um, I found over the years where, you know, I've been taking my personal journey seriously, that a lot of healing actually happens by accepting the present moment. Mm-hmm. Like specifically, a lot of the healing of the past mm. happens by accepting the present moment. Yes. So... A lot of healing to me, it doesn't necessarily need to be imaginative. You don't need to like reimagine your traumas. You don't yeah. need to like put yourself back in this like sort of difficult, ugly space that you were like, you know, trying to survive in the first place. What it really comes down to is like, can you be aware of yourself when you're moving through different tumultuous emotions and being able to be there with yourself and just accept where you are and also using the techniques that you have? applying them, especially in those difficult moments, it makes for a lot of that healing of the past. And you'll find that over time, 
the past itself won't feel like this heavy baggage. It'll mm. just feel like lessons, you know, yeah. where it's like, okay, this happened, but now I know what to do so that this doesn't happen to me again or it doesn't happen to my child or something like that. Yeah. And I think it's really, it's powerful to just understand that connection between your present and your past. Because mm-hmm. if you really want to heal that past, you need to embrace your present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found like so much of in the past when I've resisted what's for like here for me in the present moment it's almost felt like it wasn't mine, like a little bit ancestral or I don't know. It was like a weird feeling that I really couldn't um, identify initially. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost like this resistance to joy, resistance to the gifts, you know, Mm -hmm. that were right in front of me. And I think it can be a lot of things. Ancestral, it can be, um, yeah, a lot of things. Have you ever felt that resistance to what is good? Totally. And even specifically to what you're saying, like the ancestral point, like I remember the first few meditation courses that I did, I had this really distinct feeling of just like horror um, Mm. from, it's like I'm primarily indigenous from South America. Like I was born in Ecuador Mm -hmm. and um, like my people historically went through horrible things Mm. with like, you know, the Spanish coming to South America and just the genocide that happened there. It's horrendous to Mm -hmm. even think about but I remember feeling that horror like in my blood. And I was like, what is this? This is so strange. But it's just, I think it's just something that's like been encoded, you know, from like yeah. the people who did survive um, and that helped me be here today. Like my family members, um, yeah, we all survived this like terrible thing that mm-hmm. happened. But um, it was strange. It's something that like I can't quite put my finger on, but it felt real. And will I ever know for 100% certain, like, if that was really, you know, what I was feeling? Like, maybe not, but it did sort of leave its mark and it felt, it did feel really connected to the past. And similarly, that same feeling doesn't really come up anymore. Mm. It's um, like, I think the thing about healing is that it does make you lighter, like mentally lighter. And, And like we were mentioning before, like you can let a lot go and you know trauma points actually then turn into like lessons Mm. and you can you know just have a much wider sort of uh range of possibilities in terms of how you can act skillfully when challenges appear Mm -hmm. yeah yeah the the surrender process has been one that i like have practiced recently with the the wedding planning in such a short period of time where i'm like I feel so much compassion for you in terms of the <laughs> wedding planning because, like, it's hard. Like, I mean, we got married seven years ago, but I remember that time really distinctly. And yes. it is hard. What did it bring up for you? A lot of insecurity because everyone yeah. was coming together. Our families were going to, like, really Meet spend a lot of time spe- together. Yes. And then not only our families, but we, like, invited, like, a bunch of friends from college. And I'm like, oh, are my friends too crazy? Like, what's going to happen? Totally. Like, <laughs> It's like the the management of people's experience and expectations because yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm someone that loves to do that. Yeah, I've been trying to embody this archetype of like if I and my partner having a really great time and creating this experience from our hearts that I trust that everyone will have the experience they're meant to have. Yeah, yeah. Because I can get really wrapped up in like, oh God, is the music going to like make my dad feel uncomfortable? Right, or, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? So it's been such a practice. And also, 
you know, not getting too caught up in how will the how of yeah. things. Yeah. Because I, I think just in general in life, stop. Like we can stop because we're too overwhelmed by the how. Yeah. We have the vision. We have the desire, mm-hmm. but the how's like, well, I've never done it, or I don't know that I don't have connections, or I don't know the step-by-step process, but I've found that, you know, with prayer and intention, it's been yeah. kind of like a little magic trick. Yeah. It's like all yeah. of a sudden the people show up, the opportunity or the answer, mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's been so profound. I'm curious, you know, in your spiritual practice, we talked about meditation. Mm -hmm. What else in your life would you consider like a spiritual practice? For me, that's mainly it. I think um, like, because it is a high spiritual path, the one that Mm -hmm. I walk, um, it's all sort of based around the Buddha's original teachings. And I, you know, I don't really think of myself as a Buddhist, but I take the Buddhist teaching like super seriously because I don't think anyone else in human history has understood the mind better than the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Like even to this day, like therapists are wonderful, but the Buddha just like, I mean, it is incredible how mm-hmm. much he understood, like even down to like physics, like there were just so many aspects that when he emerged out of enlightenment, he was like this, that, like just, yes. just letting you know about existence on so many different levels. But yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny because I feel like I went into meditation for healing, but I was then introduced to this liberation path and like liberation mm. in the sense of like the end of suffering, you know, really trying to like fully come out of craving. And and it's hard. Like this is a path that's like, you know, to get to that level of like Jesus and the Buddha, that's like a really long path, very difficult for human beings to do, but it's possible, you know, like it is like an evolutionary high point that is available I really believe that mm-hmm. um, and I've met some people who are like super like close to that level or on that level who I'm just like wow like this person is just oozing wisdom from every part of their being and mm. and there are always people that you know are not on Instagram they're not like they don't have books or anything say like it, that say it and, um, <laughs> and I love them I'm glad that they're just like living yes. these really normal lives and like serving in these like you know, smaller, uh, not smaller capacities, but in quieter capacities. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, that's what I felt like it was the crux of this book was like, for me, like, I don't feel like I'm not enlightened in any way. You Mm -hmm. know, like I I haven't gotten there and I don't know if I'll ever get there in this life, but I do feel lighter, Yeah, right? Like I feel mentally lighter and I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I was just in Jamaica not too long ago. I got some mm, some yummy sun. I got a little I got a little burn, so my skin now is healing, it's peeling and I am so freaking thankful that I have Osea products to moisturize and nourish my skin. I am loving Osea's Andaria Algae Body Butter. Ooh, yeah, it's rich. The texture and the way it leaves my skin is just unbelievable. So supple, so dewy, but not sticky. You know, sometimes when you put on some moisturizers, it's like, ugh, what's that? It's weird. Um, But listen, this one is just magnificent, okay? My skin is really, really happy and just healing really well. Moisturize, not peeling anymore. 
And I love Oceana's mission. They are committed to creating products that are clean, seaweed-based, and their skin and body products. You don't have to worry about what is in them. Um, They are just unbelievably clean and effective. They are clinically proven to work and they're climate neutral certified, which we love. We love, we love. You might have seen Osea. I mean, it's it's viral on TikTok. People love the Andaria Algae Body Oil, which I also love. Um, so it is out there. People are loving it. Um, and I'm really excited for you to try it if you haven't already. So for clean body care that gives you facial skincare level results, you've got to try Osea. You're going to have fun shopping. Not only do they have those body products, but the skin products. Oh, Right now, they have a special discount just for you. Our listeners get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code ALMOST30 at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com. Use the promo code ALMOST30. You'll also get free samples with every order and orders over $50 get free shipping. Amazing. One more time, oseamalibu.com, O-S-E-A malibu.com. You'll get 10% off your first order site-wide when you use the promo code ALMOST30. You'll get some free samples. And if you spend over $50, you'll get free shipping. Did you know that the drugs we take to manage period cramps were invented in the 1950s and exclusively tested on men? (laughs) What? It's literally outrageous that there hasn't been more innovation when it comes to periods. Deloon is changing that with dietitian formulated solutions that relieve our symptoms while actually supporting cycle health. Because our cycles affect every aspect of our wellness, period pain, mood, sleep, skin, metabolism, energy, and more. I, I don't know about you, but you know, some some months I'm like, oh my gosh, like everything has to stop, but it really can't because I'm experiencing you know, really bad cramps or headaches, fatigue, bloating, you name it. I've really tried a lot of things. And while I think I've gotten most of my symptoms under control, it doesn't mean they still don't happen and kind of disrupt my flow. So I was really excited to find Deloon and recommend it to a lot of my friends and they have been absolutely loving it. I was talking to a friend the other day that experienced like really, really bad periods, cramps and just all these symptoms. And she was so happy uh, to try Deloon. She's noticed that her symptoms have subsided. They don't last as long. They're not as intense and she can really just be in her life, which is really nice. So Deloon Nutritional Solutions are dietitian formulated to work with your cycle health, not against it. It'll help you all month long while also relieving your cramps and PMS during your period. Deloon creates effective drug-free supplements for period cramps, PMS, and optimal cycle health. So you can get the relief you need naturally, which I'm all about, and start feeling like your best self. So if you want high potency, fast acting supplements for your period cramps, PMS, and really getting your cycle health in its prime top condition, like 92% of their customers report that relief, try Deloon. 
Leave bad periods behind and start the new year off with 23% off. Go to cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. If Deloon isn't the right match for you, your money back is guaranteed. That's cyclehealth.com slash almost 30 and use the code almost 30 to get 23% off plus free shipping. I'd love to close by talking about where you live now and the importance of, yeah. you know, ha- taking care of land, of being able to be yeah. Yeah. just really close to Mother Earth in that way. It's a desire I have, and I see that vision for very clearly. And what that's been like just for your mental health, your spirit, your body. It's been amazing. It's been like a long, long-term goal to be able to like have my own garden, mm-hmm. to be able to like go outside and be like in the woods and just be surrounded by nature. And it was August of 2020 when Sarah and I um, decided to, to no, sorry, we, it was June when we decided to get a house. So we started looking then and we moved out in August of 2020. And it's been a beautiful two years of just mm-hmm. like, being out in, you know, coming from New York City, it feels like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, We live in such a small town. It has like 2,000 people. And it's just beautiful. Like mm. everyone is so kind, so friendly. And Do you know, do you like know people and see them all the time? Yeah, we kind do. We have, we have friends because we live close to the meditation center that we always go to. And we beautiful. have like a bunch of friends that like serve there and work there and whatnot. So we have a whole beautiful crew of people. And, but it's funny, like one of the experiences of going out there is like walks are like really popular. Like Mm. when you want to hang out with someone, you'll like go on a walk. Totally. Or you're like, you know, (laughs) you'll have people over for dinner too. But like, that's like the fastest way to hang out is like, oh, let's go for a walk. But then like, as we're going for walks, like, you know, if you even see a car driving by you, people will wave to you like they're your best friend. And at oh. first, I was like super confused. I'm walking with Sarah and I'm like, what? I'm like, do we know this person? And she was like, no. And then I got, and it was funny. So I got used to like that new culture where like, you know, I'll wave to the people like totally. as I'm walking or if I'm in a car, I'll wave to whomever. But then I come back to visit and I'm in Brooklyn with my friends and yeah. I'm like sitting on my friend's stoop. And it was the morning and someone walks by me and I'm like, you know, I put my hand up and like wave and the person looks at me like I'm like I'm losing my mind. They're like, do I know you? Yeah, they're like, what? And I was like, oh, right. I'm back in New York City. <laughs> That's the thing where, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's sometimes I, I hear my spirit just being like, you can smile and you can wave yeah. and it's OK yeah. because I want to. Yeah. You know, there's that part of I think all of us mm-hmm. that, you know, reach out for that connection, whether literally or just yearn for that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this city is, I mean, it's the best. And also, it just kind of puts us in our own little bubbles, kind mm-hmm, of moving mm-hmm. around. And we feel like we're unable to just pop the bubble a little bit and be like, yeah. hey. <laughs> oh, can we go back to the wedding real quick? Yes. Um, <laughs> there was one thing I wanted that just keeps coming up. But one thing that was really helpful for us, and I don't know if you have it kind of set up for yourself, is yeah. like, do you have a person who's going to be like your water and food person because like your wedding day, you're going to be so popular. Yes. And everyone's going to want to take pictures with you and people will literally be waiting in a line to get their chance oh my God, I'm so to glad talk you're to you this. for three minutes. So like totally. you, you can spend hours not drinking water. Yes. And like you don't want to be like woozy at the end of the night because you haven't consumed 
This is a, you know? yeah. I'm gonna have my electrolyte. I'm gonna yeah. have to have like a big quart. Sarah, Sarah, both Sarah and I, we had friends who were like they would just put water in our face. Wow. And then drink it real fast, and then you keep like saying hi and. Okay, this stuff. is good. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have like a moment after the ceremony to go off and like have a few bites of things yeah. just so we okay, can fill good. our bellies a tiny bit. Yeah. But the water thing is so important because I'm someone who will forget yeah. to drink water. But yeah, you're so right. See, Sean's the type of person that like, I, I'm like, yeah, let me do a little tour. And he's yeah. like, I don't know, if you get to talk to me, awesome. Like if we don't, all good. Hope you're having a good time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I actually learn a lot from him yeah. as far as, you know, the, the people-pleasing thing. But that's great advice. Any other wedding advice I'm open to, so let me know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and just so inspiring. Seven years celebrating. That's that's yeah, really profound you. to me. Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, again, I just feel, like, so fortunate to be with someone who's, like, so loving, so beautiful, so intelligent, and also like one of the best meditators in the world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so cool. Well, I love always talking to you. Yeah. And I'm so inspired by just, yeah, your your commitment to what's meant to come through you, whether it's mm. through a book or through your posts on Instagram, the way you serve in your retreats. It's it's really, really profound. So thank you so it, much. It inspires me to not limit myself in the way that I express in this life. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you so much. And this was such a nourishing moment. I'm always wishing you the best. Thank you so much, Diego. Again, Diego of Young Pueblo. That's Y-U-N-G underscore P-U-E-B-L-O. And the book is lighter. So Young Pueblo is this idea of like the young person, young human being, where like as a humanity, we are very young. And I just, when I think about his work and how it's serving kind of this young humanity. It's very sweet. It's very, very sweet. His new book is Lighter. Lighter, let go of the past, connect with the present and expand the future. The best bedside table book right now. Go grab it. And thank you to our sponsors for this episode. We really appreciate all the brands that we work with and we vet them so that you out there don't have to yourselves. We have discount codes in our show notes and on almost30.com. Thank you for listening to Almost 30. You guys rock. We love you we so love you. much. Almost30.com. <laughs> Almost 30 podcast on TikTok, Almost 30 podcast on Instagram. We have courses and programs that we're really excited about on our website. And we thank you for being in our lives. See you on the next one. See you soon. Bye. Bye.